good to see all of you this morning as we come together to worship our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We, I've met a number of guests who are with us, and we're just uh, so glad you're here. Uh, I will uh, point out that unlike previous weeks, we have a blue card in each pew uh, rack. A blue card. If you're a guest with us, uh, we would love for you to fill that out and uh, so that we'll have a record of your visit. I would tell you that if you use the ink pen that's in the pew rack, you put that in your pocket and take it with you. So we're not cross-handling the, the pen, but we would love for you to fill that out. You, We have these offering boxes around uh, in the back at the Welcome Center up in the uh, balcony. Uh, if you fill one of those out, just put it in that uh, offering box. And in the morning when we have our staff meeting, we will pray for you. And uh, we want to uh, make sure that uh, we get a record of your visit. We are glad you're here this morning. Let's stand together as Greg comes to lead us in worship. Right, we start the morning off with souvenir pins. It's good. Hey, we're going to worship the Lord this morning and have fun doing it. Um, With an old hymn of the faith, Victory in Jesus. Hope you're awake and ready to sing on this one. I heard an old, old story How a Savior came from glory How He gave His life on Calvary To save a wretch like me I heard about His groaning Of His precious blood's atoning Then I repented of my sins And won the victory Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew him, and all my love is to him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. I heard about his healing, of his cleansing power revealing. Now he came the lame to walk again and caused the blind to see. And then I cried to Jesus, come and heal my broken spirit. And somehow Jesus came and brought to me the victory. Beneath the cleansing flood, 
heard about a mansion he has built for me in glory and i heard about the streets of gold beyond the crystal sea i've heard of angels singing and the old redemption story and some sweet day i'll sing up there the song of victory oh victory Jesus, my Savior forever, He sought me and bought me with His redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew Him, and all my love is to Him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. Oh, victory in Jesus! my Savior forever. He sought me and bought me with His redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew Him, and all my love is to Him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing Continue on singing about his mercy. Praise the Lord, his mercy is more, stronger than darkness, new every morn. Our sins, they are many, his mercy is more. Yeah, baby. 
for the service today, I was reading um, just some, some quotes from, from, from history, uh, different things, and I came across one from Corey Ten Boom. Do y'all know who she is? Know that name? For those who may not know, I know some of the younger generation might not be aware. Maybe you are. I don't know. I don't want to insult your intelligence or anything, but um, she and her family hid uh, Jewish people during World War II, and they got caught and got put in concentration. Uh, Corey Ten Boom, she lost her sister. Uh, in the concentration camp, but she lived to tell the story about it. And one of the one of the phrases that she she coined or penned uh, back in the day, it still sticks with me. I got, I got to hear when I was wee wee little lad. I don't know that I was ever really that small, but um, but uh, I got to hear, it, and it sticks in my mind. And uh, one of the things she said, she says, "You may never know that Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all that you have." Today, I'm so thankful that, that last song, I'm, thank you, I'm thankful for his mercy, uh, but I'm thankful for him. Not just what I can get from him, but I'm thankful for him and who he is. Um, you know, Corey Ten Boom was only echoing what Paul said back in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, for I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary... I work harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach, so you believed. It's all about the Lord. It's all about him. It's nothing that we do. It's him working through us. So this morning as we continue on and wrap up our time of worship together, um, I want to sing this last song called Yet Not I, But Through Christ in Me. Just a great song that reflects on um, who God is and the fact that he is, he is our source of
Yeah. 
Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that we're not left alone, uh, Lord, to, to live in this world and, and just try to make it our own. But God, we have the power of you in us. When we choose to follow you, Lord, we're, we're yours. And Father, I just thank you for that. I thank you that that it is not it is not dependent on us, Lord. This faith is not dependent on us. If it was dependent on us, Lord, it would have died a long, long time ago. Um, but God, it's you that, that keeps us going, that keeps us powered, keeps us working in this world. And I pray that now this morning, Lord, as, as Scott comes to preach, I pray that your message would just reinforce the power of you in us. And Lord, the power to forgive sins, the power to, to cleanse us, the power to to help us go about our daily lives. So God, speak to our hearts now. May we be challenged by the message and may we be receptive to your message that you have for us too. In Jesus' name. Well, good morning, church. It's good to be in the presence of our Lord, worshiping him this morning. What an amazing testimony that song is. I hope you enjoyed worshiping God through that song and those songs as we've sung to the glory of God this morning and just uh, been invited into a time of worship through song and now through the Word of God. We've, we've been reading through the book of Isaiah. and What an amazingly challenging book and real to where we are in our world today. Uh, if you're reading through the Bible with us, if you're, you're walking through Isaiah, it'd be really difficult to, uh, to read the text and not see the relevance of the text in our current day and how things just connect so well. Isaiah speaking to Israel so long ago, but yet God's still speaking to our hearts through his word today. We have a living God in heaven. We have the living word of God before us. And we come before him and ask him to speak into our hearts this morning. And you've been there. We've all been there in our life where we've, we've just had a bad day, just had a bad season, just had difficult times where things that we didn't expect happened, things we didn't know how to handle happened. You've been there, right? You've experienced those moments in life where you, you didn't know what was coming next. You, you didn't know how to fix where you were. You were just in a in a low spot in life. And Isaiah, the, the prophet of God, speaks a, a clear word to us today that it kind of gives us a perspective when we hit those moments in life. And, and it points us, it should point you clearly to when, when I don't know what to do, when, I, when I've had a, a, a moment where the whole world around me, as far as I can see, is falling apart, I can't figure what's next, what do I do? Where do I turn? And Isaiah points us to a couple of things that are so valid for us this morning. One, he says, remember God. Remember. Look back on the things that God has done. The God that has always been there will always be there. We don't journey alone. We're not walking into our struggles alone. We're walking with a powerful God. So remember God. Our sin is revealed in our life, and sin, when it's revealed, uh, a lot of times brings shame, and, and, and it's, it's hard to look at our sin, but it's how we respond to that sin that really matters. 
We have a redeeming God. So there's a couple of R's I want to think through this morning. If you're a note taker, you'll you work better with alliteration. Remember God. Recognize our sin. It's revealed. And he is our redeemer. And Isaiah points to those three things as we look into this text this morning. God's word says in Isaiah 64, those things to us. I'd invite you to stand with me. And let's read. We're going to read all of Isaiah this morning, the 64, as I go through that, connect it to Isaiah 66 and maybe a few other places. And I want to focus the first point on the first five verses, four and a half verses, or five and a half verses. It says in Isaiah 64, verse 1, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains might quake at your presence. As fire kindles the brushwood, as fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries, that the nations may tremble at your presence. When you did awesome things, which we did not expect, you came down. The mountains quaked at your presence. For from days of old they have not heard or perceived by ear, nor has the eye seen a God besides you, who acts in behalf of the one who waits for him. You meet him who rejoices in doing righteousness, who remembers you in your ways. Father, we thank you for your word that is before us this morning. We thank you, God, that we can turn to you, we can, we can look upon you, and we can find a stabilizing force in our life. We can find truth, we can find help, we can find direction for our lives. I pray, God that as we've gathered before you this morning to worship you through song and now the word, God, that you would speak clearly to us on each of our lives to where we need to uh, think through some things this morning, work through some realities this morning with you. And at the end of the day, let us walk out of here, God, different than we came because we've been in your presence. I'm so grateful, God, you appoint a place and a time for us to come together. Thank you that we can gather, whether it be through technology or through being here physically on campus. Uh, God, I pray that uh, the word will be, um, it'll make its way to the hearts of people who can't gather and worship right now. God, I pray for your hedge of protection around us, no matter where we are this morning. God, thank you for appointing the time. Thank you, God, that you anoint and only you. And I ask, God, that you would anoint me with power to preach your word that would bring about the change in my life and those who hear this message, my brothers and sisters whom I love and you love deeply, God, I pray that you would anoint me to preach your word in truth and bring about your results. Grateful, God, that we know you. And for those that don't, Lord, I pray this message would touch their heart. They'd feel the draw of you in their life they would recognize, God, that they can come to you and their life be eternally changed by your grace and your mercy. Move as only you can, Jesus. We pray and ask this in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. Isaiah 64. I mean, I've, I've pondered this text many times before and just to grasp those first words and you know, there's been times in our life where man, things were just rough. I mean, we, we've all experienced difficulties and, and um, difficult times, just, just hard times in life. And when you encounter a hard time, a lot of times you feel all alone. Isaiah says to 
God, and, and he's speaking to the people of Israel, and he's speaking into my heart and yours this morning. Oh, God, that you would rend the heavens and come down. That the mountains would quake at your presence. That the fires would be lit and the brushwood would be consumed and water would boil. There's a, there's a reality that when God comes down, when God enters humanity, He makes a difference. We're not dealing with some God that doesn't make a difference. We, we're dealing, we're discussing, we're worshiping a living God who makes a difference in my life and yours. And we have the opportunity to connect and know this God. And, and Isaiah knows God. And Isaiah says, Oh God, that you would come down. That you would, you would change things, Lord. Our world's in a mess. We, we've got things that are happening that we don't understand. We've got people that are going in directions that we cannot even really perceive the outcome of. And, and it's disturbing our world around us. And Isaiah's saying this about his day. He said, God, would you come down and make a difference? And he invites God to make a difference. See, Isaiah remembers, and, and he remembers the, the things that God's done in the past. He, he, re, he recognizes that God is a creator God, that, that everything that's happened, that's come into place, has happened by the hand of God. The, the, all that we see, the things we don't see, God has made these things. And he, he sees God as creator. He sees God as provider. He sees that God has provided all the things that everybody's needed, and he knows that God is a very present God. So he understands that. That's his testimony. God is a living God who is a creator God and a provider God. And he says, I have seen, if Isaiah were to step in, I believe he'd say right now, I have seen God work in the past through the testimonies of the saints. I've seen this. I understand these things. These things are evident to us. They're, they're very prevalent in our life. He says to us today, he says, Moses was standing on the mountain. He met God when God descended from heaven. And, and the clouds surrounded the mountain. And the lightning came out of the mountain. And the, the quaking noise of the thunder and how it shook the world around him. And fire came down. He said, we need, we need the presence of God. The presence of God has been seen and revealed. We know that the Israelite people were led by the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. There, there was a continual presence of the Israelite people of God in his presence with people. He says, God, would you come down? Would you, would you come down like that again? Would you rend the heavens and come down and, and, and make a difference in our lives? And we see that not only that, and, and it had to be in, in his mind, as we've read through the, the chapters of the Bible and we've made it to this point, that we have Elijah. And Elijah, in the, in the face of all the opposition of the world and, and the false gods of the world, because there, there are many detractors in this world, many distractions from the truth. And, and he was distracted in those days or had those distractions evident before him. Here's the prophets of Baal. All these prophets of Baal, hundreds of them, he says to them, I'll tell you what. Let's do this. Let's, let's build an altar before your God, and I'll build an altar before my God, the God of the universe, and we'll call upon, you call upon your God, I'll call upon my God, and we'll see what happens. And that altar is built, and 
all the prophets of Baal, man, they cry out. They cry out all day for God to come down, their God to come down, the God of Baal to come down and make a difference. And guess what happened? Nothing. And Isaiah, I mean, uh, Elijah, he kind of taunts them, says, maybe your God can't hear you. Maybe you need to speak up a little bit. Maybe you need to get fired up a little bit more because evidently your God's asleep and he can't hear you. And uh, he, he pokes them a little bit and, and nothing happens, nothing happens for the prophets of Baal. But then Elijah, he says, throw some water on top of mine. Let's get this thing good and wet. Fill up the moat around it, get it soaked and saturated, and let's see what happens. And he, he asks God to come down, and God comes down and consumes them, all that altar, everything there, consumes it, licks up the water around it. They saw a living God in action. So Isaiah knew of the God that, that Elijah had come encounter with and, and all the other, Moses and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and, and all the men and the women of the Bible to this moment that knew God and had come in contact with God. Isaiah's writing about them. You, these, these are the events of the past. I stand before you this morning. As a man who knows that God is alive and well. A God that comes down and touches our lives. God's still at work. He hasn't quit working. He, he's not just spun this world into motion and backed off. Does it happen what happens? No, God is very involved in the world. And, and, and we see that his power is undeniable. You know... We have a God like no other God. And that should fire us up. That should excite us. That we can, we can look upon God, we can look upon the past of all of God's activities as recorded for us in Scripture. We can be like, I can see where God moved. I can see where God came down and made a difference. And I'm, I'm going to tell you this morning... I believe that every person that is walking with Jesus as Lord and Savior, surrender their life to God, that you know of God's presence. You've experienced God come down and touch your life. I challenge you this morning that if you've not experienced the, the revealing God reveal himself in your life, if you can't stand up right now and give a testimony of where God has worked in your life, I would challenge you to consider the fact you might not have surrendered your life to God. God is not a God that hides himself from his people. He says, if you seek me, you will find me. So he's, he's a God that can be found. He's a God that can be known. He's a God that comes down and makes a difference. He shakes things up. He lights things up. He brings heat. He makes a difference. Sometimes things need to be burned out of our life. And when God comes down, here's the problem. A lot of people don't want God to come down. They really don't want God to come down. Don't come down and mess up my little apple cart. I've got everything going like I want it. And if God were to come down, if I really invited God into my life, what would happen is I'd have to get rid of that sin or deal with it. Or I would have to live a different way. Can I tell you this? If that is your perspective, there is a major problem if you wouldn't want the God of the universe to come down and be a part of your life. I live with a God who is very personal. I hope you do too. My, my God, your God, if you know him, says he will never leave you never forsake you we can abide with him we can live with him he indwells us his presence is known this is not some mental gymnastics that we're doing here kind of making our mind up that there's a god there is a literal god in this world and i think our world has forgotten that 
I think our people, uh, truly, our people are living in such a way that they're not acknowledging that in their world and in their day-to-day life. God is alive and well, and Isaiah remembers that. See, just capture the text. When you did awesome things, we did not expect. I've seen God do things I didn't expect him to do. It says, you came down, the mountains quaked at your presence, for from days of old they have not heard or perceived by ear, nor has I seen a God besides you. There's no other God but you. You're the only God, he's saying. Then he says, who acts on behalf of the one who waits for him. See, there's something about waiting on God. Anticipation comes. When we're waiting on something to happen, we build anticipation. We, We get excited about something happening. I anticipate God is going to move. I anticipate that even in our current day, in the culture we're living in, with the mess that's around us, I anticipate that God is going to show up. God's not forgotten about our world. God's not walked away from our world. God is ready to make a difference in our world. So we, we see that there's anticipation that comes. We, we have to wait on the Lord. Lord, I, I don't see you're not doing anything. I can't see anything. Are you waiting on the Lord? Are you seeking the Lord? Is, or, or is your focus on the Lord and his activities? Sometimes it means we have to look back. I said a moment ago, you've had a bad day, I've had a bad day. We've all had bad seasons in life. We've had struggles in our life when things just didn't work out the way we thought they should work out. What do we do in those moments? When we don't see God working right now and we want him to work right now, what do we do? We reflect on the times when God did move. We don't begin to go our own way and just doubt there's no God. We say there, was a, there has been a God. There's a consistent, persistent witness of God at work in the world in the history, and he's currently working now, and I'm just not seeing it. Have you ever lived in that moment where you recognize all of a sudden all that you've been going through begins to make sense? You see where God was in it? I've lived in my life. Let me give you an illustration or two. I've lived in my life where I did not see it. I didn't understand it. I didn't even know. I I, I really was wondering, where's God in this? And it wasn't until months or at least weeks, sometimes later, that I was able to look back on it, and I got good hindsight, like 20-20 vision. But I have little poor, I have poor foresight, okay? And, and I'll, I'll, I'll live through a moment, and then I'll, I'll get on the other side of it, and I'll, where was God in it? And look back and be like, oh my God, he was all in it. Thank you, Jesus. I see where you worked. I see where you, you navigated all these things. For your glory and for your good. And I gained the good out of it. But there's a lot of times in my life I just didn't get that. I, I remember um, that, that well, there was a season in my life where God did some amazing things. But I was struggling really hard. And, and it's a long story. So I'm going to give you the snippet. Okay, because we don't have time. I'd, I'd like to tell you the story, but take like 30 minutes to, because I'd have to tell you everything. I want you to know all the details. Some of you have heard it, but I was walking through a season in life and I couldn't figure out how I was going to pay for seminary. And, and I, I couldn't see it. I couldn't understand it. And things were falling apart around me. The, the plan I had wasn't working. And, and the things that I thought were going to work out didn't work out. And I got on the other side of it. And instead of it being my plan, my way to be able to afford to go to seminary, God let mine die, my way die. It, it went to the wayside. And he brought supernaturally a way that I could have never planned on. And it gave me a testimony 
and he's put a man in my life that I met one day, and I, I dealt with him two, actually two days in my life, and that guy called me one day and said, God woke me up at 4 o'clock this morning and told me to pay for your seminary. And I, those things, you can't, the whole story is so eye-opening. Oh, yes, there's a God, because there's no way that could have happened if it were not for God. And there were so many details of that story. I did not see, though, until I got on the other side of all the struggles. You know, the valley's not a bad place to be. The valley, a lot of times we figure in our life that there's mountaintops and there's valleys. A lot of times we want to live, I mean, I'm just honest, I want to live on the mountaintop all the time, feel the breeze, see the world, you know what I mean? Just the good moments. Everything's good, going great. That's, that's what we long for, right? I was sitting on top of a mountain one time in Colorado about, I don't know, about 14,000, 13,000 feet in the air and looking around, there wasn't much growing. Wasn't much happening. Everything that was going on was below me down in the valley. A lot growing down there. A lot happening down there. A lot of good stuff came out of the valley. Very little good came off the mountaintop. But now I need to, every now and then, I like to get above things and think about it and see it. You know what I mean? I, I, it's hard living in the valley all the time, but God teaches us in the valley. And Isaiah's saying to us, he's saying, don't forget. Don't forget what God's doing. Wait on God and anticipate him doing a work because we've got a history of him working. So anticipate that he's working. And don't miss the moments when you look back. Look back over life. Remember, and when you're in the moment, you can't figure out which way's up. Don't forget to look back and see where you saw him in your life. And if you haven't seen him in your life, it's a pretty good indication that you haven't surrendered your life. He's not Lord of your life. But he longs to be the Lord of your life. He wants to be that. And that's what we deal with in the second portion of this text. Verse 5, the second half of verse 5 says, Behold, you, being God, you were angry for we sinned. We continued in them a long time. And shall we be saved? For all of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a filthy garment. And all of us wither like a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind take us away. There's no one who calls on your name, who arouses himself to take hold of you. For you have hidden your face from us, and have delivered us into the power of our iniquities. Isaiah is saying, here's the reality of life. God has been at work. God's continually worked throughout the history. We can think back and, and we can see where God's worked. We can see those God-specific God moments. And then we look at our life. And it reveals to us that we're, we've sinned. Uh, our, our sin is, is very real and it's been revealed to us. And, and we're not just some of us in this room sinners saved by grace or saints saved by grace however you want to look at it but having been plagued with sin in the past or currently living in sin all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of god is what romans tells us all not some that all is inclusive of each of us so it's, it's no let's don't get in a holy huddle and put on our happy face and act like we've never done anything wrong okay we've we've sinned it's what do we do with that sin? So we've got to look at the sin. What does it do? I, I, this is a really telling 
statement about sin, notice what it says about it. It says he was angry. I don't want the anger of the Father. I really do not want to anger God. That's where the fear of the Lord comes in. It's a reverent awe of who he is, and I recognize his power, and I really don't want to disappoint God. It's kind of like your parents. I mean, some of you are so young right now, you don't care if you mess up your parents' world. <laughs> you really don't. It don't matter. You're just like, well, I don't care if, I, if they're happy with me or not. But when you get a little older and you look back and you think about how much they loved you and how much they did for you and they're really cool guys, and you're like, I really don't want to disappoint my parents. That's a great day when you get there in your 30s, okay, or somewhere around there. <laughs> 20s maybe for some but in the teens man you know everything and your kids know, your mom, your parents know nothing you know what i mean some of you are living that reality now and, and you're or maybe your early 20s but when you get to where you recognize that the father in heaven gets angry with sin it angers him why because it goes directly against his will for you. It, it angers him because it's, it's a breaker for you. It destroys you. Sin destroys. Sin separates. We, we will not, God will not allow us to live in perfect harmony and fellowship with him and live in sin. It separates. It's like disrespecting your parents to their face and then expecting them to be happy about it. It's not going to happen. We've got a holy God in heaven. Who says, I know you're not righteous. Your, your righteousness, the very best you've got is filthy rags, but my righteousness. So you can lean on yourself or you can lean on me because I grant my righteousness to you. That's what Jesus does. Jesus clothes us with his righteousness when we come to him. So we've got a, a God in heaven that angers when we, are, when we live in sin. It says, and we continue in them for a long time. Now, here, here's what I'm talking about, folks. This is what Isaiah is saying to us. He's not saying, oh, man, I slipped and hit my hand with a hammer and, and said a bad word. Had a bad thought the other day, or I shouldn't have been gossiping, but it just came out as a prayer request and turned to gossip real quick. You know, that's how we do it in the Baptist world. Are y'all all right? Or whatever. It's not that we, you did something like that unintentionally. I'm talking about we've lived in sin for a long time. You can look at your life. And you know where you're missing the mark, according to God's Word. If you know God's Word, you know what you're looking at that you shouldn't be looking at, what you're doing that you shouldn't be doing in business, what you're, what you're consuming that you shouldn't be consuming, whatever it is that's, that's bringing the downfall in your life and separating you from God. You know the sin in your life that you're continually doing that... You, you're really not willing to say this, but you're saying this to God. You're telling God, get over it. Deal with it. I'm going to do this. Everything else we'll try to keep in check, but I'm going to do this. That's what Isaiah said. We've lived in this sin for a long time. So I want you to think about what is that? What is that sin that's in your life that you've lived in for a long time? That, that you've, you've continually lived in. And, and though you might have had moments where, where you felt convicted by God and, and you brought it up to him and you, you tried to walk away from it, but you fall right back into it. Willingly go back. And that's what Isaiah is saying. Man, we've made some coarse errors that have directed us away from this personal, intimate, phenomenal relationship that God offers us. 
we've moved away from it. and We've allowed this sin to invade our life for a long time. And not only does it anger God and it's been in our lives for a long time, but Isaiah goes on to say, shall we be saved from this? Well, I, I can tell you God wants to save us from that. But we'll get to that in just a moment and continue on down. It describes what this sin looks like. For all of us have become like one who is unclean. You know, when you're living in sin and you're unclean, it's kind of like when you've been out in the woods or out in the field working or out in the yard working. You know you're dirty. You just don't want to go out to eat when you're dirty, right? You want to go get cleaned up. Kind of like my granddaddy said, if you smell yourself, others have been smelling you for a long time. You know, you're just like, I don't want to go there. I don't want to be unclean. I want to get cleaned up. And in our life, if we're not careful, we'll wind up getting in this mindset that, and we'll, we'll manipulate Scripture to say that, oh, this is really not that bad. Have you ever been there like, well, I ain't as bad as her. I ain't as bad as him. I mean, it's not real. It really is, not, Scott, it's not that bad. Or, you know, well, this depends on how you want to look at Scripture. That's a dangerous road when we go down that way. You know, here's one of the issues that we deal with in this life, and you can, you can really move your relationship forward with Jesus if you'll hear what I'm fixing to say. Many times we go to the text of Scripture looking through our life, our desires, our choices, our upbringing, our culture, that's, that's the way we go to Scripture. We, we read the text with all these things that have influenced our life. We read through that lens, and we read the text that way. Instead of saying, you know what? The Word of God was spoken by God, and it's profitable for correction, reproof, and training in righteousness for all those who want to be fully equipped for the work of the ministry. So it's, it's going to do a work in me. It's living. It's God-breed. So I need to read it through his lens, not mine. So I need to understand the who, what, when, where, and why. Who wrote it? What was it written for? You know, ask those questions of the text. Look at the text and say, what is God trying to say to me? Because if God's word is to change me, it's not that I should read the word to be unchanged. But many times we have people that want to validate a life choice by taking scripture out of context. And just saying, well, you know, that, maybe that's what it means to you, but it really means this to me. Can I tell you this? The Scripture doesn't have dual meanings. It means what it says and says what it means. When you read it in context. So here we, we see that sin is, is a major issue. And you can become unrighteous and unclean. And, and, and even the very best you have in those moments is, is a filthy garment, he says. And all of us like a leaf. Uh, a wither, so it's like a leaf that's been pulled from the vine. We just dry up on the vine. We, we're, we're dying and, and, and becoming useless, and, and all of our iniquities are like the wind. They, they take us away, and it's kind of like being blown from here to there, yonder, whatever the world's doing, I'm doing. It's, it's living in, in, a, in sin with no point, no purpose, and no direction towards God. There's no one who calls on your name. That's the point you get to where you just quit calling on God. Isn't that a sad state? I think of our world today. And I wonder, you know, when you consider the populace of our world today, how many of us are truly calling on God? 
who arouses himself to take hold of you? For you have hidden your face from us and have delivered us with the power of our iniquities. Our sin is powerful. Sin is powerful. It will captivate you. It will place you in bondage. And you may say, I, I'm, I got this under control, preacher. No, you don't. If it's sin, it'll take power over you. And that's what we read Romans chapter 1. If you just want to go back this afternoon and just read a brief summary of what happens. It's the, it's the circle of downward spiral of sin. And at the end, it's pretty grim and gruesome, a mess where we wind up. It's the Judges 21-25 kind of mentality of everyone did what was right in his own eyes. There was no king in Israel in that day. It's that kind of mentality. And, and, and what Isaiah is saying is we, we need to recognize our sinfulness. And I know that's not a popular message today. You say, why did I show up here? Man, there's some guys that would have preached a lot more love, grace, and mercy today I could have gone and listened to. You could have. And in the end times, there'll be those that'll tickle your ears and help you feel good about yourself. And I want you to really be good in yourself, not feel good about yourself. And the only way we're going to do that is if we present ourselves before a holy, righteous God, wanting and surrendered to his will for our life. And that's where we need to be. It means some change and transformation about our life. So we, we see two perspectives here from the very beginning of this chapter. We see that Isaiah is saying, look, man, God's moved into history. We can see. Let's remember what he's done. He is a, a God that is on the move. He makes a difference. He, he comes down. He rends the heavens. The, the mountains quake. The fire lights up. Water boils. I mean, things happen when the presence of God is around. And he says, we've, we've got a lot of sin going on, guys. We've stepped off on a path. We've gone our own way. We've let these iniquities overtake us, and they're powerful. We need to do something about it. And then verse 8, but now, Isaiah says, but now, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay, and you are our potter. And all of us are the work of your hand. I, I want to pause and focus in on that because here's the beauty of this. We can remember God, recognize our sin. It's revealed to us. And see that God in that, in that understanding, in that perspective, God is a redeeming God. You know, God's not looking down from heaven at your life and saying you're not valuable. He's saying you're very valuable. I created you in my image. Though it's marred by sin, I gave you my image. I created you in my own image. Genesis 1, 26, 27, 28 tells us that. Psalm 139 tells us that. You've created you intricately. And, and you know, God's looking down. He's saying, you're valuable. You're valuable. Sin needs to be t dealt with and taken care of. So what, he, what does he do? Isaiah says, you're our father. And every father, every earthly father looks upon their kids and wants the very best for them and loves them. But now we're talking about not an earthly father who has an imperfect way of doing that. We're talking about a perfect father in heaven who loves us beyond imagination, who, who really wants the very best for us in all ways, in a perfect way. So we, he says, you are our father. A term of endearment there. 
He says, but after that, we're the clay. You are, you're our potter. You're the potter. We're the clay. Have you, you ever had your hands in the dirt? Wet dirt? Mess, right? Get dirt all over you. If you've ever worked with pottery, and I've only done it limitedly, way back when, but I remember taking that lump of clay and breaking it off this big block and putting on a wheel and then putting water on it so it was more pliable and you could work it. And I mean, after a few minutes, can I just tell you, you get mud everywhere. It's all over you. It slings it, and you don't know what you're doing. You get mud all over you. It slings all over you. You got it on your arms, your legs, your, your, all over your chest. And I mean, you're just knee-deep in this stuff. And what Isaiah is saying is, we are the clay. We're messy. Our life is a mess. We're dirty. But God is our Father, and He is the potter. And he doesn't mind getting his hands dirty in your life. He's not going to live in that dirt. He wants to make you into something. He wants to transform you. He's not going to just waller in the mud with you. He brings you out of that, sets you on the wheel, puts his hand on you, and he makes a difference. See, the impression of God on our life turns us in, just like the potter does with a lump of clay, turns us into a very beautiful vessel. He works masterfully. On our life. And though this illustration has always been in my heart since I first thought about it so deeply and God spoke into my life, is you can make a beautiful vessel just by putting your hands on the outside of something, but it's a useless vessel unless the hand gets on the inside. God's not concerned about making your life look good in front of your peers. God's concerned about making your life a new vessel, a very useful vessel. And that means he's going to put his hands in your life. And he's going to reach down really deep. And he's going to put pressure. And he's going to work you into something that is very useful. And the clay has to allow that to happen. So he's, he's telling us, Isaiah is saying, man, he is our father. We're the clay. We're a mess. But he gets in there with us and he transforms us from the mess of our life into a very useful, beautiful vessel. Makes a difference. He's a redeemer. He, he's the God that redeems. And he says in verse 9, Do not be angry beyond measure, O Lord, nor remember iniquity forever. Behold, look now, all of us are your people. Your holy cities have become a wilderness. Zion has become a wilderness. Jerusalem is a desolation. If you look around this world today, there are desolate places. There are places that are in the weeds. They're like in the wilderness. There, there's a mess going on around us. I don't need to tell you that. You live in it. Our world is in a mess. But there is a redeemer who has redeemed from times past and recognizes my sin and yours, reveals it to us, and deals with it. That all, that's shouting material right there, because we've got a God who makes a difference in our lives. So we see here that he is the potter, we're the clay, and though our world around us is a mess, he makes a difference. He says, "All are our holy and beautiful house where our fathers praised you has been burned with fire, and all our precious things have become a ruin." I'm just, from my heart, guys, our world is in a ruin. Our church is turning into a ruin. I really wonder what the new norm will be like going forward. 
And we're, we're running, most churches, I talk to a lot of pastors, and most churches are running at low percentages of what they were before, before COVID. And a lot of people are unable to come out right now for health reasons, but a lot of people have just walked away. I mean, they're just like, well, you know, I got used to not going. I can do church on my own time when I want to. I can watch it if I want to. If I don't want to watch I can watch whoever I want to. Instead of being a part of the local body and doing what God's Word says, don't forsake the gathering of the body. I mean, you didn't forsake the gathering at the Cracker Barrel or Walmart or anything like that. But church was an inconvenience, and that breaks my heart. Our churches around America, and praise God you're here this morning. Praise God for those that are tuning in on TV watching. Those that are watching on the internet have set aside a time said, this is worship for me. I know I'm not talking to y'all. I'm preaching to the choir. But there is a lost world that has drifted away from church. And it's our responsibility to rise up and say, there's a God of the past who's always been working in our life. He's working now. He, though we have sinned, he is a redeemer. And though they might be in ruins right now, he is a rebuilder. If we will trust him, he'll make an eternal difference, not just in my life, but in the lives of others. What an amazing God we have. He is our Redeemer. It says in verse 12, Will you restrain yourself at these things, O Lord? Will you keep silent and afflict us beyond measure? So Isaiah asked this question. He's like, I know you've been here in the past. I know we're a mess, but what will happen in the future? And I want to direct our attention to chapter 66. And I want us to see exactly what God reveals to us. He says there in verse 2, to the saved people, he says, For my hand made all these things. Thus all these things came into being, declares the Lord. But to this one I will look to him who is humble and contrite of spirit and who trembles at my word. God's saying, you know, for those who are really seeking him, they're going to experience him in their life. And to the lost, he says in verse 4 of the same chapter, So I will choose their punishment and will bring on them what they dread. Because I called, but no one answered. I spoke, but they did not listen. And they did evil in my sight and chose that in which I did not delight. And in verse 9, he talks about the delivery. He says, Shall I bring to the point of birth and not give delivery he's speaking of the physical that we can grasp he's saying should, should a woman come to the point of birth and not deliver no he's saying should i come to the point of giving an opportunity to deliver you out of your sinfulness and not deliver you out of your sinfulness no i'll deliver you out of your sinfulness i am a redeeming god come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden if you call upon me I will save you, seek me, and you'll find me, he's saying. This is the God that is a redeeming God. But for those who reject him, they will be in a mess. Not just for a moment, but for all of eternity. Because God will not comfort the rebels. If we're sinning against God and comfortable with it in our sin, something's drastically wrong and we need a change. Because, see, the ultimate outcome, the end of the book... Isaiah 66, verse 21 says this. I will also take some of, the, some of them for priests and for Levites, says the Lord, verse 22. For just as the new heavens and a new earth, which I will make, 
will endure before me. See, that, that's read about in, in, in uh, Revelation chapter 21 and 22. Give us this, this picture. He's seeing this. He's seen this. He's, he's, he's understanding what God's saying. He says, continually says, so, for, so your offspring and your name will endure. And it shall be from new moon to new moon and from Sabbath to Sabbath, all mankind will come to and bow down before me, says the Lord. Then they will go forth and look on the corpses of the men who have transgressed against me. And their worm will not die, and their fire will not be quenched, and they will be an abhorrence to all mankind. Ladies and gentlemen, that is a horrible ending to life that never ends. The worm never dies, the flames never quenched. And for us to sit under the counsel of God's word and not respond appropriately, but look upon God's word and say, well, I could tweak this that way and that way and make my life work. No, but to look upon God's word and say, you've come down in the past. Lord, I want you to rend the heavens and come down in my life. That, that we would get where Isaiah is and say, Lord, rend the heavens and come down. Make a difference in my life. Shake things up. It's okay if you burn off some stuff that I don't need in my life. Do something big in my life. You've done it in the past. I want you to do it now. There's sin in my life. I want it out of my life. I want to live for you. You're the Redeemer. Get your hands dirty in my life. Mold me and make me into what you want me to be. You're a redeeming God. I would never want to end this humanity, this portion of my life, and, and, and end up in a distanced relationship of eternal hell apart from you when you offered me heaven. And ladies and gentlemen, it's our choice how we respond to the redeeming God who calls us to himself. You have a choice. You make that choice. And you're here today. There, there could quite possibly be many here today who played religion. And you know a lot about religion, but you don't know anything about a relationship with Jesus. You've never surrendered your life. You, you really don't want him to come down in your life. But you recognize today, I need him to come down in my life. And I'm willing to surrender my life to him. Lord, shake things up. Burn some stuff out. Form me into the person you want me to be. I surrender all to you today. Maybe others here today that say, I've done that, Pastor. I, really, I'm there. I'm recognizing there are some areas in my life that are sin. I want to get them out right now. So I want to live in the presence of my Savior every day. And Lord, I haven't seen you lately. I I'm not grasping your activity in my life. Things are fuzzy. I want to see you clearly. You pray and ask God, show me yourself. Reveal yourself to me. He is a living God. If you're not seeing him, because you're not setting your sights on him. Set your sights on him, you'll see him. Seek me, he says, and you'll find me. So I want you to stand with me. We're going to have a time of invitation this morning. This is your time, church, whether you're at home or uh, on the internet watching this in a distant place or whether you're right here in this sanctuary, you have the privilege to respond this morning. The team's going to come up and they're going to play a hymn of invitation. I'm going to pray for you and we're going to be down front for you this morning if you'd like to come and talk with us about salvation, about uh, pointing your life in a different direction, if there's sin you want to confess or need to talk about or need some help and some accountability in your life, or if you just want to come and pray at, at these steps this morning and lay something before the Lord, you're invited to do that. You're invited to do whatever you need to do to be in right standing when you leave here this morning with the God who loves you so dearly. He's your father. 
in heaven. He loves you. He created you. Let's get our relationship right with him right now while we're here before him. Father, thank you for your love for us. Move in our hearts as only you can. In Jesus' name, amen. You move as God leads. It's been good to be in the house of the Lord this morning, worshiping with you. Amen? 
I pray that as we leave here, we take the Word of God and we apply it into our hearts and to our, our actions, our daily actions, and we live for Him. He is a redeeming God. And uh, we, can, we can look at how He's revealed Himself through the, the past. And, and, you know, God, God's revealed Himself in the past. He's going to reveal Himself in the present and into the future. So let's be able to look out for where He is in our lives. Um, we've got a video that will be coming out tomorrow afternoon. If you'll uh, look for that, uh, we're going to go through all the channels of media that we have so you may see it in many different formats i ask you to share that if you get it it'll be uh, conversing with you about some things matters that will be really uh thoughtful for us as we move forward as a church so uh I, i'm just piquing your interest right now i just want you to look at that facebook uh front page on our website uh through watchman if you get watchman prayer ministry there'll be a link there as well for you to tune in uh, tomorrow afternoon, it should be up probably, I'd say, 3 or 4 o'clock tomorrow afternoon. But uh, grasp that and look at that, think about that, and respond to that, please, for us. And share that with others so that we can see how to best serve together going forward. These are really, really unique times. Amen? And uh, we love Jesus. We want to we be there for all during these times. Um, the offering boxes are down front, upstairs, out back, and over going out this way so there there's plenty of opportunity for you to give as we go forward and uh out, out the journey of life today you can be a part of the ministries of first baptist as we touch a world and and i'm grateful for a worldwide ministry that we're all involved in together there's so many ways that we serve god together um i want to pray today specifically in our closing time for our teachers. There are many educators and staff that's going back. Some have already gone back to school. Some are going back this week, next week. Our, our uh, university will be back in full swing here shortly. But uh, these are very challenging times for all of us at every level, but especially with students and teaching. Um, a lot of, oh, they got so much new in their life and, and, and different than it's ever been before. And I, I can't even imagine uh, what teachers are dealing with, with some students in distance learning, some in the presence. Everybody's wearing a mask. And I, I mean, you know, I'm facial, and I like recognizing people by face and trying to connect a name to it, but I can't imagine being a teacher. And what mask did you wear yesterday? Uh, kind of deal, learning them by their mask and their eyebrows. Uh, so anyhow, it's, it's got to be challenging for our teachers to teach in these times, and we want to pray for them. And pray for the health of our teachers, the health of our schools, and just for God's hedge of protection. So if you're a teacher or if you are involved in the school system and in any level, or if you are with a university or a college around, we have many educators. But would you just raise your hand in the air so we can see you and understand who you are? There were many in the first service. There's some in the balcony, some around. Yes, there's teachers all around us. So um, grateful for you. Praise God for you. We want to pray for you. And not just in this moment, but as we leave and think about you in the days and weeks. We see a school bus. Pray for our teachers and our educators, those that are part of the education system. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the privilege to be in your presence this morning to come and worship. Thank you for your word. Thank you for how it applies to our life. Uh, Lord, I do uh, thank you that we can go out from here and be a living witness and a testimony for you. So help us to do that. Put people in our lives that, that need you, that we can be encouraging to and, and love and, and just uh, be a part of their life this week. God, show us where we need to spend our efforts and energy. Lord, I lift up our teachers, uh, those that are part of the school system, 
educators and, and, and always, Lord, thank you for the privilege to have an education and good teachers that care. And Lord, they're facing difficult times, new, a lot of new uncertainty for them, and, and it's challenging. God, I just ask you to be with them in these challenging days. Let them make a major impact in a positive way with the students that are before them. And Lord, I do pray your hedge of protection around our students and our teachers. We've, we, in the past, we've thought about, Lord, other ways, violent issues that we've, we've thought about where people have taken advantage of our schools, but now we've got a virus that we're thinking about. So God, I just ask you to protect them in their health in all ways. Keep the children healthy, the teachers healthy. May it be a testimony of your touch in the school systems here in Putnam County. And uh, Lord, I pray you'd lower our instance. And Lord, the death rate, I pray that it would not increase. I pray, Father, that you would show us a way uh, to navigate these days to uh, find a way to end the virus, if that be within your will. And Lord, just uh, thank you. Thank you for those that serve in the capacity of education. Bless them and the students as well. And ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have an awesome day.